Late drama on early signing day, including programs making great leaps while others sank like a stone. Transfer portal musings. Plus, we get into Chip Kelly's ideas for a college football commissioner, what that could look like, and the challenges that would be in store right here on the Three Technique, a college football podcast at the intersection of the X's and O's and the Jimmies and the Joes. I'm Mitch Mason, uh, reacting to early signing day with you here on the podcast. Glad to have you listening on Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Trey and Garrett, both under the weather this evening, so it'll just be uh, yours truly rolling with you for the next oh, 30 minutes or so, but we had too much to talk about to cancel the podcast. We knew there were things that we had to get to college football does not take an off day after all, even as we approach the off season. But uh, early signing day uh, brought with it a lot of drama, a lot of uh, musings back and forth on which programs are headed in the right direction, which ones are going the wrong way. If you've been over on Twitter, uh, you know which programs are in some trouble, which ones have had their stocks increase uh, as the day went along. Of course, this is uh, just the first day of the three-day early signing period that closes on Friday, just in time for the Christmas holiday. There, of course, will be the normal uh, you know, national signing day a little later on in February. But this is when you see a lot of movement, a lot of guys go ahead and, uh, and, and lock it down, shut it down, sign those letters of intent. You see a lot of kids uh, signing on early and enrolling early. Uh, with their program so that they are the best prepared for the regular season that comes up after the summer. And speaking of being better prepared, I want to shout out our sponsors, Transfer Portal CFB. Of course, they always do a tremendous job over there. Uh, We've been writing for them for the past season now, plan to continue doing so. Our Bowl Mania preview is up right now over on their website, and it has been extremely valuable. If you uh, follow us on Instagram or Twitter at 3TechPod, uh, you've actually seen some of the reviews that we've posted, guys uh, wishing they had read it a little bit earlier, or uh, some of those that took Trey's advice in their confidence pools. Plenty of bowl mania still to go, so we would highly encourage you to check them out, check our article out at the transfer portal cfb.com. You can find their Twitter account as well uh get you all the highlights the video content written content from a host of talented writers outside the three tech team as well of course our friends over at homefieldapparel.com continue to roll out the heat when it comes to uh college football apparel any apparel for that matter baseball basketball hockey doesn't matter dad hats they've got it all you are running out of time if you want to get those gifts in before christmas you might still have a shot even if it's not for Christmas, even if it's just for yourself, use code 3TechPod. You get 15% off your entire order. Or if you've shopped with us before and use that code, that's a first-time code. But you can head on over to our Twitter account. You'll find the link that you can use on their website. Again, gets you the discount, 
help support the show is an ongoing partnership that we have with the good brand. All right, let's get into some early signing day drama. As I mentioned, we got to start at the top. You have to look no further than number one in the 2024 class rankings in the Georgia Bulldogs. They return to the top for the first time since 2020. That class went on to win uh, two national championships and Georgia returning to the winner's circle on early signing day, securing the top ranking. Uh, they flipped safety and local product KJ Bolden from Florida State. That was what ultimately put them at the top as far as a, a mathematical champion when it comes to signing day rankings. They did miss on the quarterback that they were hoping to get, five-star quarterback uh, Dylan Rayola from just in their backyard, Buford, Georgia. I would love to know, though, on Instagram, on Twitter, at 3TechPod, if you think that missing on Dylan Rayola is all that big of a deal. Because I may be the first one to say this, Maybe I'm not. I don't think it's that big of a deal. Nebraska is certainly celebrating this, and as they should be. He is potentially a program-defining quarterback. But for the Georgia Bulldogs, who have at least done a adequate job at the quarterback position, Stetson Bennett uh, did a, a very serviceable job, had a great last campaign with the Bulldogs, winning back-to-back. Uh, -back national championships. Carson Beck comes in this year. The offense actually looks a little bit better through the air. He's returning for one more go before likely heading to the NFL draft. And so if you're the Bulldogs, you've got time now, whether it's another high schooler or whether you go to the transfer portal next season, I think the Georgia Bulldogs are in a great position to continue to supplement the rest of the teams. They're doing an excellent job recruiting not only the transfer portal, but also the high school ranks as well for wide receivers. They just got London Humphreys to commit. The Vanderbilt uh, wide receiver was, when he went into the portal, the top overall wide receiver available. He's a Georgia Bulldog now. Evan Stewart is in the portal from Texas A&M. Maybe some off-the-field concerns there, but if there's anyone that can straighten him out, it's either Kirby Smart or potentially Nick Saban. Those are the two main destinations that I've heard uh, for Evan Stewart. I, I saw some people throwing around Texas. I think he would obviously be a great addition to the Texas wide receiver room, but they're so stacked. I don't know that they need him. Plus, at least from what I was hearing early, uh, he is not. Uh, Texas is not within his top two. Really sounds like it's Alabama, Georgia, maybe Missouri, if they can sneak in there uh, for a running. Uh, but K.J. Bolden, flipping from Florida State. We'll talk the Knowles in just a minute. Uh, when it rains, it pours for Florida State, right? Uh, but K.J. Bolden staying home to take on uh, the, the legacy that this Georgia Bulldogs team is building. And there is some room there. There's a number of five stars, highly touted four stars, exited via the portal for the Georgia defense. This is going to be a Georgia defense that needs some some help at linebacker, that needs some help in the secondary, and K.J. Bolden is a guy who is going to help out with that. Now, right behind the Georgia Bulldogs, you have Alabama in second place, a very, very strong close on signing day. We say this, it feels like every time we talk, whether it's portal rankings, whether it is uh, signing day recruits, uh, any time that Nick Saban is down, and is counted out, the tide 
roar back with a vengeance. And that's exactly what Alabama did today. I will say, we'll talk about their flips in just a second. I will say, in elite secondary hall, when you look down their 247 profile, but they did underwhelm in trenches a little bit based on some star rankings. Now, they were trying to pick off guys from uh, programs like Ohio State earlier today. Didn't happen. They wanted a guy in Solomon Williams out of the Tampa area. He commits to Texas A&M. The depth at the edge rusher and specifically, I think, interior offensive line positions for Alabama, they're likely going to have to go continue to look to the portal for some game changers there because I don't know if they got them through the high school recruiting ranks, at least based on the star rankings. Now, those kids could obviously develop. Nick Saban has made a pretty good habit of doing that over the last several years. And so I, for one, am not going to count Nick Saban out. I, for one, will not say that Alabama is unable to develop these kids or is somehow behind because they don't have all the five stars at the edge rusher, or all the five stars at tackle and guard. I tend to trust and tend to rely on years of experience and multiple championships to say, mm, I think Nick Saban figures it out at Alabama. They did flip uh, two big-time pieces. Aaron Hampton, wide receiver from the Texas Longhorns. They also fit, uh, flipped a running back from Miami. Uh, Miami Hurricanes, by the way, all the way up to third in the high school ranks right now per 247. And there's a chance they could add Jeremiah Smith, the wide receiver from Chaminade, Florida, uh, is committed to Ohio State, announced at a signing day ceremony that he was sticking with Ohio State, despite some smoke coming out of the Coral Gables area. As of time of recording this, however, no letter of intent has been mailed to the folks in Columbus. If you were on Twitter at all during today, you definitely saw Ryan Day reacting to his staff, telling him while he was in a press conference, hey, we got Jeremiah Smith. He announced that he was coming to play for Ohio State. And, and Day, uh, you know, I'm sure embellished it, but looked weak at the knees, right? Multiple sighs of relief. Uh, that may not actually pan out to, to be the case. We'll see if Smith is a cane, whether it's by the end of this weekend. By the time I get done recording this, uh, this could be old news. I have no idea, no way of knowing that. But as of, you know, 7.30 p.m. on early signing day, this Wednesday, December 20th, he is not mailed his letter of intent into the Buckeyes. So we'll see if Miami adds another five-star to their repertoire. Last thing I'll say on Alabama, they got another great quarterback. Five-star quarterback Julian Sayan did sign with them. They call him Dragon. We'll see what he turns out to be in the next two or three years down there in Tuscaloosa. Let's talk about Florida State. Let's skip down to number nine in the 247 rankings. It really happened again. I hate to say it. You guys know I've been a big, big investor in Knowles Coin uh, over the years. Obviously, it took a little bit of a hit with the uh, absolute crime that was the playoff snubbing and then being sent uh, to uh, not to the Sugar Bowl, but to the, uh, the, the, the Peach Bowl against Georgia. Took another hit today. No doubt about it. The, uh, the uh, bank account saw the balance dip just a little bit, right, in, in, in real time. K.J. Bolden flips from Florida State, goes to Georgia. Similar fashion, it felt like, to Travis Hunter. Maybe not as dramatic. Uh, you, you heard over the last couple of days, 
Uh, Bolden was keeping his his mind open, his options open. He was looking, listening to calls from a couple of different schools. Georgia and Auburn emerged as the top contenders, and obviously the boys in Athens got it done. It's an elite offensive haul for Florida State. So Knowles fans, and I know there are some of you that listen to this, uh, I wouldn't be too discouraged because, yes, is it a big-time recruit that you miss out on? Absolutely. Defensively, though, Florida State has been so solid, mining the portal, turning uh, high school talent around, and building up a unit that has been good enough to go undefeated this year, right? The the issue, the reason you got left out of the playoff was not your, your defense. It was a freak accident to your quarterback. Now, I am not one that's going to moan and complain and say that a broken leg has irro- uh, irrevocably, I should say, damaged the Florida State program. This program was in such dire straits when Mike Norvell took over. And, and the ACC drama side, uh, the, the conference home of the Florida State Seminoles may be in doubt, but I believe in Mike Norvell and his ability to turn uh, lemons into lemonade. He did it this season. This was the uh, the culmination of a long and thoughtful process that he and his staff put in place. I choose to believe like junior, a junior, a light version of Nick Saban, right? You, you look at the past several years, it's easy to get caught up in the moment and say this is doom and gloom. I think there's doom and gloom for another Florida program. We'll talk about them in just a second, but not for those in Tallahassee. I know it stings, Knowles fans, but you're going to be just fine. Elite offensive hall, though. And I think that the Knowles, as they continue to progress, as they continue to look forward, you you keep putting up big points on the offensive side. You no longer have to have a top five defense to make the playoffs, certainly not in the expanded area. I think Florida State is just going to be fine. Auburn, what a job that Hugh Freeze has done in his first full offseason on the Plains. Uh, as of right now, they are up to sixth in the 247 rankings. They nabbed two five-star receivers from in-state. They flipped Cam Coleman from Texas A&M, arguably the top wide receiver uh, in the country. Damian Craig was dismissed as the wide receiver coach at Texas A&M. He heads back to the Plains where he's from. Cam Coleman follows him over there. A big pickup for Auburn, a, a tall, dynamic wide receiver who's been uh, compared to Megatron. I think it's a little bit early to be making those uh, comparisons, but you get the point. Tall, athletic, great hands at the point of attack, and hell on wheels after the catch. They also flip four-star edge Amaris Williams from Florida. That's a program that is sinking like a stone, folks. Talk about them in just a second. The The main issue that I see with Auburn and, and the thing that I think they absolutely have to continue to mine the portal for, offensive line talent and depth. Our friends over at the Uptempo podcast, uh, Auburn, uh, focus group, they have been really hammering home. Hey, you got to improve in the trenches. They made a big effort to last season, and I don't know that it really paid any sort of dividends because the quarterback play was so poor, but that group didn't get it done consistently enough. Auburn has to get better on the offensive side, specifically in the trenches, if they want to make these recruiting classes pan out. Let's talk Gators, Florida Gators, 16th right now and that was updated right before i hit record but you gotta wonder for how much longer they even stay relevant now off the top they did get dj lagway he did send in his letter of intent this morning 
It was a dramatic waiting period as we waited till I don't know, about 4.30 central time before he went on ESPN2, said he had signed with the Florida Gators. The issue is not that many other guys really did. Florida has been hemorrhaging elite talent like it's going out of style. They took a couple hits. I mentioned Amaris Williams flipped to Auburn. They also lost Isaiah Williams, a wide receiver, four-star wide receiver. He committed to Texas A&M earlier this afternoon. Maybe the biggest hit that they took today, though, was elite five-star defensive lineman L.J. McCray announced that he was not yet signing with the Florida Gators. It is a panic party in uh, in Gainesville, and I think there is a lot of reason to be concerned. The Gators have a brutal schedule last year. They underperformed this year against a very difficult schedule and missed a bowl game. And you go back the last two years, the program has been in total upheaval, both on field and off the field, when it came to recruiting efforts. Now next year, you look ahead to their schedule, and there is a very real possibility that Florida wins two or three games. The schedule is that brutal. It's like if you loaded up an NCAA 14 dynasty schedule like we all used to do, you're playing the top 10 teams, right? Being in the SEC, their schedule is a nightmare. But their non-conference games are are difficult as well. It's really hard to find where Florida picks up any sort of momentum, gets any of the good vibes going, and gets in a rhythm. I don't think Billy Napier is long for Gainesville, and it was clear that so much of the talent that they had accumulated through the summer, Napier had a great recruiting summer, but so much of that talent has left town, departed for other programs. It's it's hard to say that they don't see the writing on the wall. Now, for Florida, none of that's happened yet, right? You haven't lost a single game on your 2024 schedule, but you got to get it right, and you got to get it right in a hurry. I don't know if they have the talent, the horses to do that. Uh, They also lost Xavier Filsami, uh, five-star safety, to Texas uh, earlier in the week. So uh, a lot of talent departing Gainesville. Florida is a program that I'm concerned about. I'm watching as we head closer to 2024. Nebraska, let's talk the Cornhuskers, up to 19th in the 247 rankings. Now, I mentioned earlier they flipped Dylan Rayola from Georgia. Rule has his quarterback for at least one season. A lot of folks celebrating that that win for the Cornhuskers. I'm not going to say that the kid doesn't stay, that the kid doesn't pan out, because I don't know. But what I will say is when Matt Rule in 247 tweeted out that his heart had always been in Lincoln, he had always been a Husker, I remind you of his very, very journeyed past. Originally committed to Ohio State, decommitted from the Buckeyes, committed to the Georgia Bulldogs. Flirted with UFC, uh, USC very, very briefly. Was crystal balled to go commit to the Trojans and USC. That never materialized. Georgia temporarily held on. And then the Nebraska saga began. And then Dylan Rayola began to look at the Georgia quarterback room and decide, "Mm, if I can't start as QB1 in 2024, maybe I'll go elsewhere. We don't know what uh, sort of level that NIL played, but Matt Rule certainly made a bold proclamation when he said starting quarterbacks in the portal are going for a million five, two million dollars. You have to believe that the NIL deal that Dylan Rayola got to go to Lincoln was certainly something 
in that ballpark. Nebraska's got plenty of resources. They can play the NIL game. All I'm saying for Nebraska fans, I'm rooting for you. I want the Cornhuskers to return to prominence. I want them to be a force in the Big Ten West as I sit uh, sit at a house here in Des Moines, Iowa, in the, in the heart of Hawkeye country. I want Nebraska to come back. I want them to be good. But to put all your eggs in the Dylan Rayola basket, that is a dangerous game to play. The kid went to four different high schools. He has not known a single team, team loyalty, solidarity with the cast and characters around him in recent history, in his college football development. It's hard to believe that Leopard changes his spots just because he gets a cushy NIL deal because he feels like he's got the right offensive scheme around him, at least for one season. Again, not saying that he's going to leave Lincoln, not saying that I hope he leaves his Lincoln. Just a warning from history. You look at the pattern, it makes me nervous about Nebraska. But aside from the quarterback, who's obviously the headline, you've got plenty of depth that this Nebraska team has brought in. 29 high school recruits by my count when I last looked. Only four four stars, but they've got really, really good depth across the board at all position groups. And that makes me believe Matt Rule's rebuild is not only on track, but perhaps ahead of schedule. Let's talk Texas A&M. Much ballyhooed in the media, folks saying that the sky is falling. After Jimbo Fisher left, Mike Elko took over. And I'll tell you what, as a Texas A&M Aggie, it's not been a Super enjoyable last couple of weeks, no doubt about it. Last month and a half have felt like everything that the Aggies built over the last two, three, four seasons got turned upside down. Now, here's the realistic perspective on Texas A&M. No, no glasses here, no, no maroon-tinted uh, commentary here. Here's the realistic scenario. Texas A&M is bringing in enough talent, top 20 class, and a very good transfer class, also a top 15 transfer class. They're filling holes that they need to. They're going to field a very competitive team in 2024. And with an easier schedule, it's not out of the realm of possibility that if that team were to get on a roll, if Colin Klein, the new offensive coordinator, were to get in a groove with Connor Wegman and that wide receiver core, that Texas A&M could win nine or ten games. That is absolutely a realistic turn of events based on the talent that is still remaining in college station, a defensive minded head coach that is going to turn the offense over to a guy who is becoming known for his offensive genius from his time at Kansas state. That's the ceiling. I don't think you get better than 10 wins because at the end of the day, you're still playing not in the sec West necessarily, but in the sec Texas looms on that schedule. LSU looms on that schedule, and you have, of course, a gauntlet of other SEC teams to go through, not to mention you start with Notre Dame at Kyle Field in September. I think 8-4 and four is very much more realistic for this Texas A&M team, and that's okay. As Mike Elko takes over, he's trying to hang on to some of these big pieces here to end the early signing day period. We've still got five-star Terry Bussey, who's out there, reportedly talking to LSU amongst other programs. Don McKinley, five-star defensive tackle from Louisiana. Texas and LSU, Alabama, knocking on the door there. Dalen Evans did not sign today. He's been one of the longest commits to Texas A&M, but 
recently said Texas is his dream school. He's been a fan of theirs since he was a little kid. Dalen Evans likes to play the, the drama card a little bit and has certainly played games with where he's going to commit next, if not Texas A&M. He flirted heavily with USC, but nothing ever materialized there. It's not uh, out of the realm of possibility that Evans just likes the spotlight a little bit. But what is real is the decommits and the flips that Texas A&M has seen since Jimbo Fisher was fired and since Elijah Robinson was hired up at Syracuse. Today, you watch Ty Anthony Smith flip to Texas, an inside linebacker. He's the only linebacker in the Texas class. He would have gotten immediate playing time in College Station, but one of the longest commits on this this A&M recruiting class flips over to the 40 Acres earlier tonight. Draylon Miller, four-star athlete, a talented wide receiver out of Silsby, randomly, seemingly, commits to Colorado, goes on an official visit two, two days later, commits to Colorado. Now, we'll see if anyone else is joining Draylon Miller. They only have six high school recruits, and they just watched a five-star offensive tackle commit to the Buffs five days before he then flips to Maryland and leaves Dion at the altar. I think Colorado is an interesting program. We'll talk about them a little bit more in just a second. But Texas A&M, the sky is not falling for my Aggie fans out there. You're going to be just fine. Let's stop the meltdown. Let's stop berating folks on social media and in the message boards. You're going to be fine. You're going to have to go through a little bit of a process with Mike Elko as he gets adapted back to being a head coach here in the SEC. There is plenty of talent. There is plenty of gold to mine in the state of Texas and in Louisiana. But you've got to let Elko and his staff go to work. The Aggies will be fine, but I think 8-4 and is probably most realistic for season one based off what I'm seeing right now. Other programs that we were interested in as early signing day gets ready to wrap up. Syracuse up to 44th in the country. That's a big bump since Fran Brown took over. High school and portal are booming for the Syracuse. North Texas, we're Lone Star folks at heart. North Texas up to 72nd. They came on strong down the stretch, closed multiple three stars on signing day. It was really fun paying attention to their Twitter accounts. It was just one guy rolling in after the next. Go across the Metroplex, you go to SMU. They're 87th in the country now. They only took 10 high school players, but they are cleaning up in the Dallas area, and they have done an amazing job in the portal. They've got the 14th-ranked transfer portal class in all of college football. And finally, Colorado, lowly 95th. They have six High school commits, one of those being one of the best four stars probably in the country in Draylon Miller. I, I wrote this to a colleague of mine on Twitter earlier today. I think even Prime is surprised about how hard it is to coach at the collegiate level. He thought that all of the swag, all of the, the acumen that he brought in as a player would translate to recruiting these kids, and initially it did, but they got slapped around on the field. And now you're seeing the the issues, the struggles of a four and eight season in the recruiting ranks. The portal, you're doing fine there. But high school recruits just don't want to go to Boulder, Colorado, at least not yet. Maybe Prime can turn it around. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he figures out how hard it is to win in Colorado. That's a wrap on early signing day. Let's move over to the college football commissioner topic. This will round out our show here tonight. The Chip Kelly model, as I call it, 
If you uh, are on our Twitter, following us at Instagram or uh, on Instagram or Twitter at three tech pod, you would have seen us retweet chip Kelly in front of the media last week, talking about how college football needs a new model. The basics of it are these two mega divisions, one for all, all power four schools. Now with PAC 12 going away, rip to the conference of champions and one for all group of six schools. Now, you could essentially shell sponsors out to the highest bidder, whether those groups, those leagues are named or not. That's what he threw it out. Hey, Amazon, come be the title sponsor for the Power Four School League. Come be the title sponsor for the group of uh, however many conference league. Make money that way. Shell it out to the highest bidder. You would need a CBA, a collective bargaining agreement in place that would then distribute earnings from TV deals out to the players. So no longer are players only making money through NIL, but instead there would be some sort of agreement, some sort of almost employment where players would directly benefit from the product that they create in the first place. Now you would need completely separate structure for football. And Chip Kelly, this is something that he's reiterated multiple times now. Why on earth? Should their softball team, their basketball team have to change conferences, have to go all the way to Piscataway to play in a conference game when that's not the reason why UCLA is going to the Big Ten in the first place? In fact, those other sports depend more on their regionality than football does. And I kind of get the feeling that Chip Kelly doesn't love the move to the Big Ten anyway, but that's that's a train that's already left the station. It's an interesting concept to have football be completely independent from everything else, and likely a solution that makes the most sense if you can make it happen logistically. Of course, he also went on to say that there needs to be a college football commissioner. Let's break away from the NCAA. Someone or somebody needs to form a new organization, elect a college football commissioner, and he will run it much like a commissioner of the NFL or MLB runs a league. At this point, it feels like you have to adopt more of a pro-style management to college football because the NCAA is running their sport into the ground. Sure, the TV numbers are great. Of course, we're more interested, more people are more interested in it than ever before because of the internet, before because of the access to it. But the quality, I think the integrity of the game as well, the very fibers that hold the game together, those are being stretched at the seams because the NCAA can't make a correct decision. I'll say this. Listening to Chip Kelly, it fired me up. I was really excited to contemplate this idea, talk about it, and it'll be something that we continue to talk about as we go throughout this offseason. But there are a couple of massive challenges, I think, that stand in the way of this actually being a reality. First of all, it would be an incredible legal effort to overhaul the current system. To have a... Uh, a, a new system, maybe two leagues with professional ordinances like a CBA, there is a whole host of legal hoops that you're going to have to jump through. You're going to have to erect a new structure, a new governance outside of the jurisdiction of the NCAA. And that is not something that happens overnight. Not to mention, you likely have to have enough votes or enough schools decide, yes, this is exactly what we want to do to overturn that apple cart in the first place. Secondly, it would be a gigantic CBA evaluation. You've got hurdles to assign values, to relegate pay, uh, payout structure, delegate payout structure, I should say. You heard about all the trouble that 
EA went through to create this college football game. And yes, we're on track for July, 2024. And I think everybody uh, that is a college football fan certainly hopes that we stay on track. We ultimately get that product, but it's not a done deal yet. And we've seen multiple legal issues pop up, right? The Brandar group threatening the suit. Now they've dropped that suit. So we might be in the clear there, but EA sports has had to do their research. They've had to do a lot of legwork, a lot of heavy lifting to assign payouts, to understand who's going to be signing their likeness into the game and who isn't. Similar decisions would have to be made in order to create a collective bargaining agreement. You'd have to unionize the players, and that is something that is just entirely foreign. Formerly, quote-unquote, amateur athletes unionizing and turning into, let's be honest, a professional league, a minor league system, if you will, a minor league football system for the NFL. Finally, you'd have to wonder how would portal and eligibility work? Would the transfer portal stay the same? If we turn this into any sort of professional league, surely academics have to take a back seat, right? If they're being paid to play football, academics seem like an unfair standard to hold players to. After all, that's not how they're earning their living. They don't go here to Play school, like Cardell Jones said back in the day. I think that is a massive hula hoop that you would have to keep up and you would have to understand very meticulously how you would address that in order to even get the ball rolling on this idea. Eligibility would be completely changed. If we go by the academic calendar like we do now, freshman through senior, You suddenly get rid of academic restrictions or put that in jeopardy, and maybe that system doesn't make sense anymore. It's a very complicated, very complicated threat that Chip Kelly is pulling on, and I appreciate him for doing so because I think we need to start the conversation. I certainly believe that what we have right now is not in the best interest of the athletes or honestly the game itself. I'm curious to see where we go with this commissioner talk where we go with this talk of of a new league, a new standard operating procedure, and we would love your thoughts as well. At 3TechPod, Instagram, Twitter, you can write us at uh, 3TechPod at gmail.com. If you'd like to email us your thoughts, we would love to talk this idea, this, this new theoretical concept with you. Of course, we'll continue to talk about it over on our YouTube channel. If you are new here, we would love it if you would go and subscribe uh, on the Uh, path to 500 subscribers over on YouTube. We're on the path to 600 followers on our Twitter account. Would love to get to overall a total audience of 3,000 Jimmys and Joes between all of our platforms, podcasting, video, social media. We are very, very close to having about 3,000 of y'all following us, and we would love to continue to grow the family. You can join the Jimmys and the Joes for free, completely free, by subscribing over on our Twitter, our Instagram, and our YouTube. Well, that'll do it for today's early signing day reactions, college football commissioner talk. If you did enjoy the episode, please leave a like. Please leave a rating over on Spotify or Apple. It continues to help us share the podcast with other Jimmys and Joes like you. And until next time, so long, everybody. Oh, my gracious. How about that?